Welcome back, Pilgrims. This week, we've got another dose of innovative startups making waves. Leading off, we'll break down Batch's $9 million Series A. The startup is hoping to crack into the $200 billion group travel market by streamlining coordination of bachelorette trips and group travel experiences. Yeah, and next you will hear about Axios HQ, the tech spinoff of popular news provider Axios, hot off a $20 million Series A led by Gladebrook Capital Partners. And after that, we'll cover the popular coffee chain Blank Street Coffee and their subscription model hot on the heels of their frothy $20 million funding round. Getting frothy here. (laughs) And to round out this week's dose, we have our first ever New Zealand-based startup, Halter, a SaaS provider of solar-powered cow collars that help farmers better manage their livestock. The company received funding led by Bessemer Partners. And with that, we are back at it after our South by Southwest two-part series, back with a traditional dose of startups, so let's get right into it. The views, statements, and opinions expressed herein by the hosts and their guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast should not be construed as reflecting the views or implied endorsement of Independent Brokered Solutions, LLC, or any of its officers, employees, or agents. The statements made herein should not be considered an investment opinion, advice, or recommendation regarding securities of any company. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes and is not to be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy a security. Is he here, kid? You gotta just go for it. Don't think about what comes after or what came before. You just gotta bend your knees. This is VenturePill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, leading things off this week, we have Batch, a platform that helps plan bachelorette trips and group and group travel experiences that just announced a $9 million Series A. The round was led by Pritzker Group, joined by Corazon Capital, Freestyle VC, Oversubscribed Ventures, and more. So launched in 2020, Batch aims to solve the hassle and potential logistics nightmare that comes with organizing group travel. And any of those that have tried to do it, we've been there, we know how much of a nightmare it can become. So through the platform, groups can discover, plan, and book trips all in one place. Yeah, so a little bit more about how it works. Within the app, you invite friends to plan your upcoming trip. Now, right now, there's been a lot of bachelorette parties. Here, I'm surprised down below (laughs) here on 6th Street, we haven't seen any bachelorette parties (laughs) riding across the way on those uh, beer, bicycle, bar things. Um, But anyway, I'm sure that's one of the things you can plan on this app. Probably Um, in a couple hours, too, they'll be cycling around. Right, yeah, as the sun goes down, the bachelorette parties come out. Um, No, they're out during the day, too. That's (laughs) It's not exclusive to the night. From there, uh, the group will discuss, hey, what what do you want to do? What does everybody want to do? Determine the best location and find that happy medium with everybody involved in terms of costs uh, and interests. Once the details are solidified, 
uh, it's going to put together an itinerary and you can use the app's expense splitting feature to track costs of the trip, which is a really, I mean, think about all the costs that you're going to want to split with people. Making that seamless is a big, big value add. Definitely a very useful feature there. And I think I saw while exploring the website as well, you can, you can create polls and just all these different ways to streamline the booking Super and planning cool. experience. Uh, they really got a good thing going here. Another feature is the app has a marketplace that allows you to book curated experiences through the app. So think Airbnb experiences, but through Batch. Yeah. So you can book again the, you know, the beer bike. <laughs> um, there are other bachelorette party experiences yeah. <laughs> available, <laughs> but we'll get into some of those experiences yeah. in a little bit. Um, currently, Batch provides local, memorable experiences in major U.S. travel destinations like Las Vegas. Austin, as we've mentioned, Nashville, and will be and will be available in 30 cities by the end of Q1 2023. So right about now. Yeah. So deep in growth mode right now. Um, some examples of bookable experiences through batches: basically party buses, yacht charters, private chefs, goat yoga. That's a personal favorite. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> ATV excursions and and many more. Yeah, uh, so you got truly the full spectrum. Yeah, of... it's really the gamut. Yeah. I would say from goat yoga to yacht charters. Um, <laughs> a little bit more on the numbers, some impressive stats here, as we always like to cover, and, and Batch is no joke. So they're approaching 500,000 parties planned in the app and 2 million users to date. Yeah, that's like, wow. a lot of parties, a lot of partiers right there. That's mm -hmm. really impressive. Uh, additionally, highlighting some of their recent traction, over the past six months, the company has doubled the number of bookable experiences on its platform. So from 800 to 1600 and counting, and they plan to reach 3000 experiences in 2023. Wow. So the explosive growth continues. Incredible. Yeah. So with the new funding, that's going to pour fuel on this fire. Uh, the company will make strategic hires in different places, and it will really allow them to lay groundwork towards expanding the platform beyond just the scope of bachelorette parties. Right, and that was something that they honed in on on some of the articles and statements from the founders is mm -hmm. they basically want to be associated with any fun experiences that you look to book, any kind of group travel, mm -hmm. uh, and they're actually rolling out a new website. So a lot of what we've mentioned has been strictly through the app, but they're currently building yeah. and developing a new website. And so with that, the company wants to become the top destination for any group looking to plan a fun weekend. So bachelorette parties, of course, are more of their bread and butter as of now, but think about golf trips, girls trips, anything in between mm -hmm. really, spring break. Um, they just want to be the, the logistics center for these trips. Yeah. Uh, and as we mentioned in the intro, group travel is a $200 billion market, yet it still remains challenging for groups to coordinate travel and the market is still leaves a lot of room for people to tap into it. And that's exactly what Batch is looking to do here. Yeah, for sure. And it reminds us a little bit of Jonah Fialco, if you haven't listened to episode 45, um, what used to be Batch Bracket is now Bracketology. Just kind of adjacently reminds me, maybe tangentially is a better word, right. reminds me of the rebrand that they did from a bachelor, bachelorette thing right. to a broader a broader <laughs> company. Now they're on the um, fantasy gaming for reality TV. It's completely different, but <laughs> maybe we'll see Batch rebranded to be just more associated with broader group travel. Who knows? Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a, a nice vague blueprint for Batch to follow take the a page, footsteps in. Take a page out of the Fialco book <laughs> with the, the Batch founders are listening. Okay, for our second uh, company of today's dose, it's going to be Axios HQ, which just announced a $20 million Series A that brought them to nearly a $100 million valuation. Uh, the round was led by Gladebrook Capital Partners with participation from Graycroft Partners. 
a little background on Axios, which may sound familiar to many of you pilgrims out there, mm -hmm. the popular news platform. Uh, a special shout out to Sammy, a longtime pilgrim and friend of the pod, uh, who's a writer for Axios. She suggested that to us, that we should cover them on, on the next dose we had. Right. Shout out to a loyal pilgrim and also a reminder to any pilgrims out there. If you've got a cool company, let us know about it. Yeah, you'll see it on the show soon. And so a little bit more of an origin story on Axios. The, the company was founded in 2017 by Roy Schwartz and Jim Vandehe with a simple goal of providing people with easily consumable news while always putting the audience first. Something that you and I here at VenturePill can certainly Pilgrims resonate know, with. they always come first. Number come on. one, yeah. always. Um, and then so, or always. And then fast forward to 2022, and the company had grown substantially to a point where they were acquired by Cox Enterprises for $525 million, pretty good. Pretty good. I will say if there are any acquirers out there... Uh, That's the we, ballpark. Yeah, we would accept <laughs> anything in the, in the realm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, just a year earlier, so in 2021, Axios HQ was launched as a separate tech division of the company. And upon the acquisition, it was spun off into its own entity, with Cox staying on as a minority investor and the Axios founders staying on as majority owners. Yeah. Yeah, a, pr a pretty cool scenario there. We haven't really seen that with many tech companies or media companies, I should say, mm -hmm. before spinning off a tech arm. Um, but what exactly is the tech that Axios HQ has been developing, working on? Well, given their expertise in the largely email-driven news, they are working on AI that helps users sharpen their writing with regard to better wording. Maybe I could have <laughs> used it in that phrasing right, right there. Chisel away that sentence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it also offers suggestions, though, for pictures, uh, headlines, and summaries, and can strengthen people's or, or companies. Uh, communications. So that's that's their bread and butter there. Right. A pretty comprehensive content conglomerate solution here. Uh, <laughs> and they have a pretty legit client base, which again, isn't surprising given their wide reaching audience on the news right. side of things. Uh, according to the company, they've got about 500 enterprise clients, including some very notable ones like Sweetgreen and Edelman, which all adds up to about $7 million in ARR, annual recurring revenue. Yeah. So no joke there as a standalone venture backable tech companies, right. 7 million in ARRs is no joke. And so, um, as the pilgrims know, though, many of you out there, AI is just absolutely dominating headlines. Everywhere. Generally, you know, mainstream news, but also venture, every other company, it seems that we see somehow AI related. Uh, we have also covered several AI companies that we've loved over the past several months, um, to name a few, Descript, uh, the editing software we use for right. AI and video editing, uh, Jasper AI, a local Austin company, and then also Lavender, which is most similar to what Axios HQ is providing, um, helping people write emails better and more quickly. So uh, a, competitive, a competitive landscape, to say the least. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. Uh, you and I were actually talking to our friend and loyal pilgrim Josh today, and yes. he's very plugged into the evolving AI space. Mm -hmm. And it's just remarkable. I mean, when it was first coming to be, there was obviously a lot of innovation disruption happening, and you would see these charts of here's AI companies doing this and this. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a couple months now, and it's just it's multiplying. It's multiplying like in orders of magnitude. It's it's exponential. It's it's really remarkable. I mean, it highlights again how promising AI technology is is becoming. Uh, but also, it's going to be a pretty fierce competitive landscape. It will. I mean, pretty soon the AIs will be building 
AIs. Their own AIs. I mean, yeah. They are basically right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's a little scary. I mean, that's probably another conversation in and of itself. Yeah, we could uh, <laughs> dedicate a couple episodes yeah. to that, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but all of that said, it'll be interesting to see how Axios's expertise and network can serve as a competitive advantage for Axios mm-hmm. HQ, the specific tech spinoff. And also on the flip side, how Axios, how Axios HQ can help Axios, the media company, continue to grow through more efficient and punchy communication. Yeah, so uh, a, a truly symbiotic relationship, right? Yes. I mean, little quick uh, elementary <laughs> biology lesson that you didn't know you were going to get in, in your <laughs> weekly dose of startups. Um, it's like the old, I feel like I remember learning like how the whale uh, benefited from uh, uh, the barnacles, barnacles <laughs> that lived on its skin. I don't remember the inner workings, but I remember barnacles. that. <laughs> barnacles. Uh, I remember that being a prime example of a symbiotic relationship. And here we have the whale and Axios, 525 million. Eh, it's not a, not a barnacle anymore. Axios HQ at almost a hundred million dollar valuation, yeah. but kind of similar. Right, and we certainly want to hone in on the fact that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell while we're giving this quick biology lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But another thing that comes to mind, you know, we're we're talking a lot of buzzwords here, AI, barnacles. (laughs) It feels like almost vertical integration, right, between like a content, Mm -hmm. a news outlet content company like Axios and then Axios HQ, which is helping people write content. It's like Mm -hmm. very, I guess, symbiotic, as you said. Symbiotic. I mean, vertical integration, I got to say that that hasn't been brought out in in like many, many episodes. So kudos to you. Thank thank you. Um, And for our next story on this week's dose, we have Blank Street Coffee, loved by some, hated by others. But regardless, they just raised a $20 million investment round from some notable investors, including Left Lane Capital, Tiger Global, General Catalyst, and more. So Blank Street Coffee, pretty interesting story, started as a single coffee cart in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, uh, you know, the the heart of coffee snobs in the United States, at least. And they started with a simple promise, decent coffee delivered in an efficient manner and at lower prices than Starbucks and the other specialty cafes in the area. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those. A lot of those, again. <laughs> uh, but now fast forward three years, and Blank Street Coffee has expanded, again, exponentially from a single coffee cart to a coffee chain with over 50 locations in the United States, major cities like New York City, of course, and Boston, Washington, D.C., as well as 15 locations in the United Kingdom. So they've, they've gone international as well. Yeah, going global. Uh, their secret sauce, um, or their secret blend, maybe we should yeah. say, uh, <laughs> Blank Street Coffee has positioned themselves as a more efficient alternative for, for making coffee, due in large part to their espresso machines that have automated a large part of the coffee-making process, mm-hmm. from grinding the beans to steaming the milk. And, of course... Dairy-free milk, I'm sure they've got available. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's A to Z. Grinding beans to steaming milk, that is soup to nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, this $20 million raise comes less than two years after the company raised $67 million back in 2021, so continuing to pour fuel on that fire. Right, and one thing we wanted to make a distinction of here is that whereas those previous raises were leveraged to promote rapid outlet expansion, as we mentioned you know, 50, 65 total new outlets and growing, I'm sure. Uh, this latest round is actually going to be used for something different. So they're planning on scaling out their weekly regulars subscription program, as well as as well as well explore food options in the existing stores. So as of now, they don't serve food. It's more so they partner with local bakeries and serve that at their store. Also, we wanted to note that it comes at a time where Starbucks is engaged in an ongoing, high-profile mm-hmm 
very much in the news impasse with their baristas over a union over a unionization effort, which again it seems like it's been dragging on for quite a while now. Yeah, yeah, and you know you mentioned that regulars program. Wanted to dive a little bit into that because it is a key differentiator for what they're trying to do here. Basically, customers can pay twelve dollars a week, and they're going to get access to beverages every two hours at at I guess minimum. Minimum two hours they get a, they can have uh, another beverage yeah. um, as part of the being a regular. Uh, the co-founder Vinay Menda mentioned that the company is really looking to take a gamified approach to get customers continuing to come back regularly and, and earn those rewards. Right, another it's buzz, a, buzz gamification. Bu- yeah, everyone's gamification. gamifying these oh, days. Yeah. I mean, if you're not gamifying, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but they're not the they're not the first company to try a model like this. So we look back and we see Burger King had a short lived five dollar in store coffee subscription. Didn't last too long. Mm. You know, it didn't really add up. Yeah. Maybe it's not maybe hindsight joint. is twenty twenty, <laughs> but yeah. I think foresight was twenty twenty for, <laughs> for that one. Um and then, but we you do have a success though in Panera Bread, the local favorite in yes. New Jersey as well right. as in uh, in Chicago somehow. Um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what? the local Panera. Yeah. Um, they have their unlimited sip club which allows subscribers to order a beverage every 2 hours, same thing except $12 a month. That's crazy. So, really good deal there. Yeah. Like we were we, quick math, essentially four times a better deal than right. the than the uh, than the regulars at Blank Street Coffee. That being said, both are great deals and I think the logistics, or I think the logic here is that these coffee shops figure while you're there getting your coffee as part of your subscription, you're also going to spend some time and purchase some other things that maybe don't get covered in the yep. subscription. So in the instance of Panera Bread, while you're there getting your Sip Club coffee, you may as well also get a broccoli cheddar soup and a bread bowl just because, you know, it's cold mm-hmm. outside, it's raining, and oh, yeah. it smells good. When in Rome. <laughs> uh, it, also, it also reminds me of like the movie theaters, right? right. You, they're really getting you on those snacks. Um, and there's probably several other instances that we could that we can mention that right. same type of business model. I'd say my my personal favorite and I think the most like tangible example is Trader Joe's. So they get you in with the cheap wine. Sometimes mm-hmm. they have free samples too. Uh, but while you're there, you're gonna get cheese, crackers, frozen goods, ice cream. All of a sudden, you're walking out with a cart of you know fifty bucks yeah. or more because you went there to get cheap wine. It's really well, a genius strategy. It really is, and it's all about the lifetime value of a customer, mm-hmm. right? If we're breaking it down from a venture capitalist perspective, they're really looking at that. I'm sure that's what these VCs saw in the regulars program, is getting these folks to become lifetime, really loyal customers. Right. And then gamifying, the same thing goes along with that. Right. And so we also mentioned Starbucks, and Blank Street is really taking an alternative approach to Starbucks, which is pretty fascinating. Uh, so most coffee shops strive to serve as a third place for people to convene. So that's outside of their home as well as their work office. Mm-hmm. And again, Starbucks is the most notable example of this. You see people sitting on their laptops all day. The whole Harry Potter series was written there. Yeah, I have I have a quick little <laughs> story. I, my dad growing up, he was between jobs. I was young. I don't know, maybe six or seven and and somebody asked hey, where does your dad work because like my dad works at starbucks <laughs> <laughs> right, I mean, he was just getting his work done at, at starbucks he wasn't a barista but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have the distinction in in today's day of work from home i mean i'm people are leveraging starbucks as an office space too, yeah. right no it's true um and so alternatively to that example which has obviously worked well for starbucks made them you know the number one coffee chain in the world um 
Blank Street Coffee locations typically have very limited seating, so they're more focused on bringing in repeat visitors, mm -hmm. people who are coming every two hours for their subscription drink, as opposed to customers who are going to linger over one cup of coffee, write a few chapters in their book, mm -hmm. and then leave. Boy, that coffee per chapter there is not Not, not ideal. Prime. Yeah, it's those metrics that we need to be uh, pushing to the forefront <laughs> here for VCs. <laughs> exactly. And I think Blank Street, given the limited seating, it's more of a tweet while you get your coffee type exactly, of Exactly, so. yeah definitely the ratio you're looking for. Um, and another cool differentiator here is that since a lot of the prep work that's typically conducted by a barista is automated, the baristas actually have time to connect, engage, and build relationships with the customers. So whereas at Starbucks, you place your order, they misspell your name. <laughs> then Brendan. The, yeah, oh, <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time, um, I'd afford one Starbucks drink. <laughs> um, no, but you know, you order and instantly they're grinding the beans, they're steaming the milk, all these things that we've mentioned are automated. Whereas here at Blank Street, you get to know the person uh, and more than just what they like to order with their coffee. And if they're an oat milk, an almond milk, a regular milk kind of person, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I think that's also part of what brings customers coming back for more is, hey, I know this barista on a personal yeah. level. He knows how to spell my name or yeah. she knows how to spell my name. I like it here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're flipping the model on its head and it, maybe it is ripe for disruption, the, the coffee space. I mean, clearly Starbucks is going to do their thing. Right. They've got these these issues going on, as you mentioned earlier, but they've, they're a well-oiled machine, right? Uh, but uh, this this is a spicy new blend of coffee. That's a dark roast. <laughs> That's a dark roast. <laughs> um, all right. Wrapping up this week's dose, our fourth and final company of the day is New Zealand-based Halter which just raised a whopping $79.5 million Series C led by Bessemer Partners. And a partner from Bessemer, Tess Hatch, joined the board as well. Always a good signal mm -hmm. to see. The round also included participation from previous investors from the last round. Blackbird, uh, Rocket Lab founder Peter Beck, which you'll hear about a little bit more uh, soon, and Kiwi VC, Icehouse Ventures, and DCVC. Now, this all comes off the heels of a 2021 $32 million Series B. So continuing that growth at a pretty good pace there. Right. Similar to Blank Street Coffee, honestly. Mm -hmm. uh, but a little bit more about Halter. It was founded in 2016 by then 22-year-old Craig Piggott after working under Peter Beck at Rocket Lab, the aforementioned uh, member of the cap table here for Halter. And Rocket Lab is actually a successful Kiwi aerospace manufacturer and we need to distinguish <laughs> that Kiwi in this in this context refers to a New Zealand native, not the right. popular fruit. Yeah, it seemed like they were manufacturing Kiwis in space. <laughs> <laughs> There's a market for anything, right? <laughs> I'd, I'd try it. Um, that said, so what Halter has done is they've developed a GPS-enabled solar collar that guides cattle using sound and subtle vibrations. Incredible technology there. And what they're deeming, one of our favorite terms we've come across, and you know we love a good term here on, on the bill. They're calling it Calgarhythm. Love it. Oh, so good. So good. A term which they've actually registered. Um, so respect there. We were probably going to steal it. So it's good, good, good that call. they, good that they did that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, these collars allow farmers to remotely control their livestock, uh, keeping them out of harm's way and in the right place in certain spots of the land. Um, and they, they deemed this also virtual fencing. So instead of having physical fences, you don't need those anymore. Um, you can do it virtually. In addition to that, the collar collects nearly continuous data on the animals. Think, think about health data, um, concerns that the farmer may want, want to know about, and other changes in behavior that they're going to be interested in. 
Right, so kind of a commonplace collar that you, you know, you'd see on dogs these days, but some may wonder how ethical this is. You know, should we be giving cows Fitbits around their neck, kind of <laughs> restricting their natural movement? Uh, well, here's a little bit more on Halter's philosophy, and this is sourced from the website. Mm -hmm. Their system improves the welfare of animals without introducing compromises, and this is achieved in two parts. One, their animal learning model is centered around the welfare principle of preserving animal agency, and they do that by leveraging behavioral data uh, to ensure that they're not only protecting, but also promoting positive welfare for their livestock. Right, and so that is pretty a lot of technical terminology, right. like age, uh, preserving animal agency, but I think what that means in layman's terms, basically, they're saying like this is actually somewhat more ethical and healthy than regular fencing, and it, not to even compare that, to begin to, begin to even compare that to other agriculture. Right, and, cattle prod. You know, yeah, I guess general uh, livestock practices across the world, there's a lot worse things out there than this. So. Right. Um, pretty ethical, pretty cool what they're doing, you know, with with the health and the well-being of, of these animals in mind. Yeah, right? I think it's, you know, also cool and ethical and good for the cow's health that they're monitoring it, right? They can yeah. see if a cow is stressed, if they're diseased, if some, you know, they're sick mm -hmm. in any way. If they're about to give birth, there's a lot of cool things they can track. Right. Yeah. And a little bit more on the business model. So based on the number of cows, Halter is actually just going to charge a a very mainstream SaaS subscription, um, and and they're going to maintain ownership of the collars themselves. So, very run-of-the-mill um, owned hardware, you know, software as a service business we model. Love that, almost yeah. as good as a two-way marketplace. Oh yeah, vertical <laughs> Don't integration. Get me started. <laughs> yeah, ex yeah. Boy, buzzwords coming back. It's almost the one-year anniversary of Buzz Buzz. But uh, um, the company will keep operating out of Auckland, New Zealand, and they actually have a pilot farm in the Waikato region of the North Island. Uh, but they have now registered the business in the U.S. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that that's a beautiful region. Of a mm. beautiful part of the world mm -hmm. uh, and it's honestly this has been really refreshing it's been a while since we covered an ag tech company agricultural technology and as far as we know according to our pillfolio this was our very first startup covered out of new zealand yeah so an awesome company to round out this week's dose Indeed. and also just to round out the different types of companies and cities that we like to cover on this show yeah no for sure and if um if Halter ever goes public, we'll certainly be providing live stock <laughs> updates. Um, so <laughs> that's pretty good. Hopefully, this boosts our uh, New Zealand viewership. Honestly, maybe we oh, can yeah. uh, hashtag New Zealand a couple times. Sure. <laughs> um, and with that, we'll we'll wrap this one on up. We appreciate you guys listening as always. Coming hot off those South by Southwest interviews, we're glad to be back in the groove of the normal, traditional style episode. Yep. Well said, partner. As always, thank you all for listening. Keep following and engaging us on social media. Oh, yeah. This guy's the social media king. Come on. <laughs> get, get this please, guy some please. engagement. That's my father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's, it's honestly been so much fun. We appreciate it. And, you know, spread the word. I think you probably have a friend. Every listener probably has a friend or family member or two that would be interested to hear some of the companies we're covering. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're talking about cows and Fitbits. You know, where, <laughs> where, where else do you hear that kind of stuff? You, you can't. You just can't replicate it. Um, <laughs> and with that, uh, we'll sign off. See you guys next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of Startups and Venture Capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only
bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibes a little low key, okie dokie. That's alright, but 